I'm Stephen Jack Pitella. And I'm Jill DeWitt, and this is The Land Academy Show. This is episode number 1941, and today we are talking in depth about why remailing land offers is so effective. And then also we're gonna, I'll give a little talk on commercial real estate 101. Both of these things were highly suggested this week. Really? In our Discord channel, yeah. Oh. That's where they all they, they came from. Well, I understand the remailing land offers. I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> I just uh, take direction from our members, sit next to you. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm not sure. Because, you know, there's sometimes topics creep in there that are like, Dad says you need to know this. That yeah. I, that they well, that's why I ask be, you, you know, that's they why I They may be requested, but maybe they're required. <laughs> we, uh, we moderate each other. We're supposed to moderate each other. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. How effective is that? It doesn't go very well sometimes. That's so true. So I'm curious about, um, I like the commercial real estate 101. Is it because people are making mistakes or they're just assuming things incorrectly? No, nobody's doing anything wrong. They're oh. asking questions, which they should. Oh. Uh, the, 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 you'll see what the, the question prompted this right. and the question's actually in here. God. in a few minutes but you know it's like what the hell is commercial real estate and why is it different and how should it be treated and and more specifically is it, is it good is it bad how can should i talk about it? it and not sound like a ding dong <laughs> which is what you know that's what i'm that's what this that's what i'm gonna ah. by the time we're done with my little spiel here you won't sound like a ding dong you'll have you'll you'll learn some new words that you too <laughs> can sound like you know what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> is that what you do, Joe? Drop, drop 10 cap. Drop. <laughs> That's good. Keep going. Just make up. 10 cap. <laughs> Just make up anything cap. Well, it's a 32 cap. <laughs> yeah, they would kick you out for that. <laughs> you, you know what? If you can analyze a girl with as a capitalization rate, Joe's a 32 cap. Oh, thank you. <laughs> versus, versus some of my friends, which are five caps or, or three, two three caps. and a half cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you know commercial real estate and you're listening to this, you know what a three cap girl looks like. <laughs> and forget about how she looks. Exactly. Just, just how she talks to you. What do you do with a three cap girl? You walk away. <laughs> All right. See? Already right there. Aren't you glad you're listening? You can sound like a professional. <laughs> it's just not gender specific. There's three, plenty oh. of three cap guys out there, too. I dated some three cap guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard about her three cap guys. Oh. And all I wonder is why stay? Yeah. Why stick around for that three cap stuff? Yeah. Thank you. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Hey, I hope you're uh, also enjoying this new 2023 weekly show. Each week, we answer questions from the Land Academy Discord forum, review land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday uh, member webinar, and take a deep dive into these uh, two land-related topics, topics that are, have been uh, requested in Discord. Mm -hmm. Let's take a question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community. If you want a sneak peek at what actually happens uh, in our Discord channel because you're not a member yet, please go to landinvestors.com or landacademy.com and uh, check it out in read-only format. It's free. Yuri wrote, what do you change on your letter template when remailing an area? I don't want sellers to think I just copied and pasted the same letter I sent them before. This sparked, um, I included this right. in the, uh, I included sure. this in the, in this, uh, the podcast episode because it sparked maybe 25 comments on oh. Discord. Uh, all of them, every single one, without exception, 
uh, or glaring, glaringly positive reasons why. But they all unique? you should re yes they, oh. why you should resend mail. I'm curious, what were some of the things that people said? Well, and, and what's, what else is interesting, too, is that there are people in there that have been in our group for a very long time that... Like um, years? For years, like yeah. Bay. Yeah. Who have, uh, who have done, made this work for themselves uh, times 10. You know, they both have quit their jobs and they're both working at it full time right. and they've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. And they sparked in and said, and I'm paraphrasing, if you want to go read it, you can on Discord. They popped in and said, this is the reason we're so successful mm. is because we remail. And so, you know what? It, this is actually the topic, so we could go in, mm-hmm. go into it. Today's first topic is why remailing land offers is so successful. I guess from the topic, we are. we're, we're going to fool our post-production people. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> They'll figure it out. All good. So let's think about this for a second. I have long said that buying and selling land the way that we do it which is sending uh, blind offers out is a lot like insider trading on wall street except you don't go to prison for it you take all this real information you're utilizing uh, market information and purchased and sales information and 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 all the things that goes on in in a potential market where you're going to send mail and you make a decision about how to price a mailer how to what at what numbers that you send out offers to people and you buy potentially buy property because they're willing to sell it to you for way less than market value that's the definition of insider information you have all this information that uh, not everybody has because they're not smart enough to go out there and get it and you're making a decision and then you're essentially buying a stock that's worth you know a hundred dollars a share for 22 dollars a share and so it's an amazing business model. Now multiply that times three because you already sent the mailer out. Right. You sent a, a mailer out for five to ten acre properties in a certain place for let's say fifteen thousand dollars or whatever the numbers end up being. You get a mild response. Maybe you buy a couple of properties. Maybe you buy five properties, and you find out what's going on in the market because you're talking to all these sellers. Some properties you buy, some you don't. Now you have even more insider information, information that no one else has or no one else is really paying attention to because you're smarter. About that one little area. So you think to yourself, well, what if I sent another mailer out? Mm -hmm. Not just for five to 10 acre properties, but from two to five acre properties or maybe 10 to 20 acre properties because I know how it's valued now. I I know how people are basically going to respond to my pricing. Maybe I'm going to lower it. Maybe I'm going to increase it based on the response that I got. And I'm pretty confident, more confident than I would be uh, as if I went in blind, Mm -hmm. like I did on the last mailer. I went in blind. And I can better predict now the outcome. And then the third time and the fourth time you do it, now you've got yourself a market. So I'm a quick question. Do Are you talking, I was assuming remailing, what we're talking about is the same exact property size to drum up more deals. Well, I'm getting to that, Joe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and then I have some follow-up questions, but we'll get there. <laughs> this is the first part of the dad's speech. Oh, great. <laughs> I'll be over here. Let me know. What's even better, and Jill's dead on, what's even better is sending out the same mailer. There we go. With a price correction, 
that you believe will increase the number of properties that you buy. It almost always works. You know what's funny? And sometimes it might be lower and yeah, sometimes it might be higher depending on what you find out. I want to add one thing too. Another plus, plus in this whole thing is the reason you're doing this is because you had a positive result in this area. If it if it didn't and or something was going on, you know, maybe it's somewhere in, let's say, a state out west and they're having water issues and you're like, I don't even want to play with that. But maybe it's somewhere in a great area, like you found out like a nugget. They're like, oh, I didn't know all this was going on here. I want more property here. I didn't know it was going to fly off the shelves like this too. I want more property here. But another bonus is you already know the county. You already know how they roll. You've already got a title person there that you've been working with too. You've got all these systems in place, which I think are an added bonus that you, when you call your Susie at ABC title back on, Hey, I know we did three last month. I got five more coming at you. Do the, we're going to do the same thing. It's so much more efficient. You understand each other. It's so great. You also can gauge because you posted all the property from first round what the on the sell side, what their reaction is. You know, it's very often still that Jill and I sell property, I think, too inexpensively. So what that allows and what that tells me in my next mailer is that, you know what, I can afford yeah. to send out the same mailer, maybe price a little higher mm -hmm. because I don't think we charge enough on the sell side. So it gives me a little more, this is an acquisition person's dream. Right. What do you mean I can pay more? If I can pay that much more, I can buy probably 10, 15 more properties in the right. same mailer. So it's all this information that you're collecting on the first round mailer. And Jill's dead right. You've got a crew uh, set up now and, and you have uh, pricing information down. You're not going in blind anymore. Yeah. That's you know, the, the true uh, definition of experience. Well, this is one of the reasons, too, that if you're doing this full time or you have the luxury that you could answer your phone and not have to, you know, you're not doing a, a nine to five job where you just can't do anything outside of your day job. If you can answer the, some of these incoming calls, at least the first wave. This is when you're going to learn this stuff. And this is why this is really valuable. And this is why I still do it now and then today when we send out a brand new area. I'm like, I'm going to take the first wave of calls. I need to gauge what's going on, gauge how our pricing is, get some inside information like you're talking about. Like, you know, what if it's agriculture or something? Who knows? And everybody says, well, because of XYZ that's coming into the valley, this is why I think it's worth fill in the blank. I didn't know about XYZ coming into the valley, and now I know. I mean, here's another huge benefit. You know, Jill's obviously on the sell side and the people side on of this. Side. I'm on the data. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm on the data part, and so I don't have to redo a mailer. Yeah. I'm sitting there staring at a mailer that I spent a bunch of time and money on. Uh, spent time, time uh, money on data and time uh, putting this whole thing together. All I got to do is adjust the price. Right. I already I spent out. all that time testing for reason at the end of the mailer last time. Those are the same. I'm just going to change the percentages up or down. Mm -hmm. That that's a five minute mailer. That's yeah. the title of a show, because exactly. you're, and, and you're going in saying it, it needs to be five percent more. Yeah. And then you resubmit it to O2O, and it's just now you're you're done. Mm -hmm. You know, talk about working for two hours a day. You know now you're not working at all. I, this is a good thing too. There's a lot of people that come in land again, like, oh, we know you're hitting it into our head. Send more mail, send more mail, send more mail. But I'm so busy. I didn't have time. That would be a good thing for someone to like, like, hold on a moment. I know you're busy. You don't have a lot of time. You don't, you know, I know we have concierge plus, but 
they could go back to an old mailer that did really well, like go back to the well basically and regurgitate one once in a while um, to get more deals in an area that they already know. That'd be a good way to keep them on track too. I think that'd be great. If you sent out a mailer, a 10,000 unit mailer at 20%, uh, I'm making gross generalizations, at 20% of the you determined retail value mm -hmm. and you bought three properties. How many people do you think got your offer, stared at it for a minute, and didn't tell their spouse this time, but they're like, you know what? We're never going to use that land. But they never picked up the phone. Didn't tell our spouse. What? Yeah. I'm not going to tell him yet because I, I don't want to break the bad news, but uh. his dream of putting a cabin on that property is over. <laughs> He's 93. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to build it himself. Maybe he's not 93. Maybe he's 56 and he's just an ass. Well, and you don't you don't think he deserves a cabin there we for whatever go. reason you didn't let him know about the letter. <laughs> what do you come up with this stuff? I don't know. Because <laughs> buying and selling, we've been talking about buying and selling land for what 15 almost 15 years now. Yeah. In a format like this, and we got to make it funny. <laughs> we've literally talked about everything you could possibly talk about. <laughs> I gotta pause for a second. <laughs> I have yet to call our friends and ads say this, but I'll never forget when you first started this podcast and and. I I ended up being your permanent guest here, um, co-host slash guest, whatever you want to call it. Our friends would all go, what the heck are you guys going to talk about? Do you have that much to talk about? <laughs> it's so funny. And at the time, like, oh, sure. And then I, later I'm going, no, that is kind of nuts. And here we still are. I mm -hmm. should call them and go, we're still doing it. <laughs> it's really a show about Jill and I failing at b being in a relationship. That's, That's what true. the show's about. <laughs> That's it. That's why you're here. Don't let this happen to you. <laughs> so you send this 10th unused ma unit mailer out. Okay. You buy three or four or five properties. How many people do you think thought about calling you but didn't? And now they get another letter. Uh, from you that says maybe you change the letter a little bit that's the real question how do you change it if you're going to send it out again right. that's the question before this that led to this topic and i would say you you use the information from the first mailer and you change just a couple sentences in, in the offer that says hey i'm reaching out to you again because i sent a letter to you a couple months ago and we re-looked at your property and now we want to offer this right. if it's lower that does that may not work as well if it's higher and you could say that right here. This is a new revised offer. We realized your property's worth a little bit more money. How many more people are going to sit down and say, wait a minute? That would be really cool. So if you've ever watched a football game, you know, you see the first Pepsi commercial in the first quarter. True. And then the second Pepsi, second quarter, there's three Pepsi commercials until the point where you're sick of it. You're really Well, no, you're thirsty. Yeah. Or you're going to buy a Pepsi. Yeah. To you're shut like, up. To shut up. It does look good. I keep staring at Repetition that. Repetition in marketing and advertising works. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is. We have a guy, we, uh, a former, he's a career path alumni guy. I haven't heard from him in a while, but he's famous for coming on to our advanced career path calls every month and saying, you know, I've only ever sent out one mailer and I send it out every month. I change the price a little bit and I buy a couple properties and that's my whole, you know, that that's what I do. Yeah. And that works. We had a, a, a guy in an advanced group when we had that a lot of years ago that's only ever sent mail out to one huge subdivision in Texas his entire career. And he made a career out of that. 
So remailing an area after you get to know it really, really, really well is super, super effective. And you're gaining confidence every time. First time you buy five, the next time you buy three, the next time you buy eight, the next time you buy four. At, after a while, you're changing your thinking about it. It's like you just roll it in. Right. You roll it into your, you know, I'm not saying never mail another place again because you right. always have to try new stuff. But now how much confidence do you have that what's going to happen on a mailer? Maybe the next time it's only one. It's still no work. It's so not even just even even when you have when the calls start coming in on a single mailer, right? You're a new to the area. After five or six phone calls, you know the area. You're starting to learn the APN schemes as you're looking them up. You're starting to know, all right, I realize on this side of the train tracks is this, and on that side of the train tracks is that. You know, if I can get closer in, this is where, and this is where it's kind of deserty, and this is why it, it commands this price. It's it's really nice. So this side of the free, yeah keeps yeah. going on and gets just gets better. East side of the freeway is worth this. The west side's worth right. this. There are places in Arizona that they've been the groundwater had, they've sunk, and there's tons of property for sale there. Yeah. And we just don't send mail there anymore because we know because we sent mail. Mm -hmm. We did a huge mailer in West Virginia one time and found out. Jill found <laughs> out. Jill found out very quickly. It was hilarious. I spent a lot of time on this. It was a bummer. She, she walked in my office and said, "Yeah, so this is not going to work." I just told everybody to stop <laughs> taking calls from when they have a Virginia property. Wish them well. West, West Virginia. West Virginia. Excuse me. Wish them well because undivided interest was rampant. <laughs> In West Virginia, for whatever reason, quite some time ago, they assigned APNs to yeah. owners, not real estate. Yeah. And so These one property- didn't even know it. One property could have four APNs. Yeah. And so, you know, as you know, we send mail out to APNs. We buy yeah. APNs. That was funny. So you don't ever want to buy 25% ownership <laughs> in a property. Exactly. Ever. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Hey, let's take a look at one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday um, member webinar. Beaufort County, North Carolina. Buy for 32, sell for 70. I love these numbers. 4.27 acres. Uh, everything's a yes. Now part, of, this is a little note, part of the property has been used for farming in the past and was logged around 20 years ago. I like that too. Huh. Does Mini own anything else nearby here or just the one? Way cheaper than it is. Will you toggle back for me real quick? Let me see in the parcel pack. Thank you. I want to see ownership on the ones there. Nope, nope, nope. All different. Oh, now that's a pot. That name came up before. Interesting. I would dig in, dig in with the county and find out. Oh, this is the target property. Mm -hmm. What's going on here? Is that the target? Yeah. And what what the setbacks are, and, and can you build on it? And is it usable? Okay. It's also in the middle of of solar. Like that, you know, solar the person fields. who owns this one owns this one. Isn't that kind of funny? So they sold this, sold this, didn't sell, sold this, Maybe. didn't sell yeah. that, sold these. Like, okay. Did you do a Google Earth? Yeah. To get down there? Okay. Yes, yeah. is all the tests, except for uh, portable. Okay, wait. What's my play here? Can you build on it? Can you That's use it? it? Am I going to hunt on it? No. Am I going to put a 7-Eleven on it? Mm -hmm. Am I going to... There's no... What's the recreation use? Not really seeing that. So farming, I mean, farming and uh, put a house potential residential or uh, logging. Right. Point eight six for twenty four. There's seventeen properties listed, and thirty two sold um, in the last twelve months. Some of those are HOA. Twenty four thousand for an acre. You're buying uh, five acres, four acres for thirty two thousand. You need to get it for half of that. That's 
less, less than half after you determine that you can use it how you think it should be used, which is, I think, residential agriculture logging. Exactly. And that's it. But it seems overpriced. What do you guys think? I think it's overpriced. Yeah. Hey, you know what's coming up next month? No. Land Academy Ladies. Oh, coming in March 2023. I'm proud to say this is the only female land investor group that exists. How cool is that? So it's for members or partners of members. Sorry, you need to be a lady <laughs> to join in. Wigs, wigs are not going to count. And I know people that would do that. <laughs> but I am so excited. So it's starting up in March this year, 2023. If you are a Land Academy member, keep an eye out for an email. It may have gone out. But if not, just, just or if you have any questions, of course, uh, reach out to support at landacademy.com. Or if you're not a Lanikin member and you're like, all right, this sings to me, send a note to support at landacademy.com and we will get you more information. Don't forget about Office to Owners. Jill and I have a full-blown commercial printing company, uh, whether you're a member or not, that you can use to get offers out to, for houses or land or uh, any okay. type of real estate. Yeah. It's uh, getting more and more and more popular. Yep. Let's take another question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community. Again, if you want a sneak peek at our Discord channel, go out to landinvestors.com or landacademy.com. Dig your way through those sites and uh, you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised. It's in real time how we all communicate with each other. Yeah. Charlie wrote, who's the Land Academy of commercial real estate? I need to do some reading slash podcasting listening i'm sure i can't even carry on a conversation with a commercial agent it's embarrassing <laughs> or is there some commercial stuff in land academy that i've missed i like this oddly enough i'll answer this question in today's second topic cool it's amazing how that happened oh thank you today's second topic is commercial real estate 101. back in the early 90s right when i got out of school out of college <clears throat> I had a very brief job as an accountant. I mean, for like four months, a small accounting firm tax practice, which uh, made me vomit every morning. So I had a talk with myself and said, I'm going into real estate because every one of our tax customers was in real estate and I was looking at their tax returns going, these people are crazy wealthy. But I always knew I wanted to go into real estate anyway. My dad did very well in commercial real estate. So I went down the path become a commercial real estate agent. And I took the test, passed it, this is in Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, and one of the worst recessions they've ever, ever experienced. Couldn't, my timing couldn't have been worse. And so I did, and I learned, and it was full commission, and I, you know, ate a lot of ramen noodles for a year. And learned all kinds of stuff about commercial real estate and why creating value in commercial real estate is so effective. And um, I'm going to give a basic talk today about just understanding commercial real estate. But keep in mind, there's things that you can do with commercial real estate when you buy them or develop them that create an amazing amount of equity very, very quickly that you could never, ever accomplish buying and selling houses or anything that really has to do with residential real estate unless you're building huge master plan uh, subdivisions, which is very unrealistic for an individual person. For us, Jill and I to go out and do a master plan community is not, it's possible, but not very realistic without becoming partners with people that are really involved in that. Owning it, buying and improving 
a strip mall is very realistic. And so that's where it comes into play for us because we're all entrepreneurs sitting in some home office somewhere, uh, you know, for lack of a better description, self-employed. We want in. So here's the deal with commercial real estate. It all comes down to how it's valued. So just bear with me for a second. When I say that, I mean, Jill, bear with me for a second. <laughs> could you tell? Could you see? Yeah. Could you see the... The back of your eyelids? Yes. Yes. Could you see? No. What's going on? You could see the mental shift, which is... She's shopping in her head right now. <laughs> what were you shopping for? I don't know anything. <laughs> Not commercial real estate. Jill, you're a 32 cap. Just sit there and look pretty. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I got to go on today. We're leaving town this weekend. Okay. Really, really quickly, when you, uh, we all know houses. We, when we think of real estate, the vast majority of us think of houses, the house we grew up in, how much of our money our parents made on these houses, 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 houses. It's true. HG freaking TV has got a whole oh, gosh. channel that runs 24 hours a day about window treatments and buying a house and selling it and make, uh, improving it and, and making money. Right. All of that, all of it is 90% emotion. Does the house look pretty? I walk into it. Oh, I want to buy it. How much yeah. is it? I don't care. Right. I want it. <laughs> but the house next door is falling down. I know. How much is that? I don't care. I'm not buying it. Yeah. The scary thing is that those two houses, one that's been completely done and the one that is falling down, or maybe it's original. Maybe it's 1962 original with avocado stove. And we just walked through a house like that. Yes. And we walked through a because we bought, yeah. Joe bought a painting off of, uh, off, off of Offer Up. We like walked into this house. There's this deceased guy. Yeah. lived there by himself. All original. Yeah. Million eight they got for the house. Yeah. The, the fully renovated one right down the street is 2.1. Mm. That's not a big variance mm -mm. for a pile of crap house and a brand new walk in and turn on your favorite song and op open a bottle of whiskey house. Right. That never happens in commercial real estate, never. Why? Because commercial real estate is valued on capitalization rates in general, which means how much money is it bringing in will dictate the value of the, of the property. Nobody walks into a warehouse and says, it's really dirty in here and I don't think I'm going to buy it. You long before you walk into a warehouse to see if you're going to buy it, you look at what the tenant's paying, mm -hmm. whether the history of the payments, the vacancy rate, the occupancy rate, the structure of the lease, and you value it mm -hmm. in a capitalization rate format. So the capitalization rate, uh, the strict definition is you take the net operating income, the amount of rent that you're getting, mm -hmm. and you divide it by the purchase price. Right now, seven caps are real popular because interest rates are a little higher. And interest rates affect net operating income. I don't want to get too deeply into this, into this environment, but just know how much money's coming in dramatically and directly dictates the property. So after you get into due diligence period and really look at the deal, especially things like old apartment buildings uh, that are falling down, the condition of the, of the actual property might come into play. Might. A brand new property is going to be probably have a lower cap rate because it's uh, going to cost less to run it versus an older one. But again, that's reflected in the cap rate. So you don't have to really worry about emotion, which makes commercial real estate, in my opinion, extremely attractive because everybody's valuing it on the same uh, with the same mindset 
how much money is it making or losing? We just looked at uh, an investment townhouse in an area in Old Town Scottsdale, and this townhouse has bright red kitchen cabinets, uh, cabinets. shiny cabinets, and and it's a great price, and a cap rate works, and the whole thing. And Jill's like, nope. I said, put in an offer. <laughs> Would I live there? No, it's not for me. But you know, this is very on on the screen with the camera on a nice way of saying, oh, I, I'm very uh, amenable I, to, no, yeah, I did you're put an offer. The property. I did. I'm like, I don't care. The question is to me, I could care less about yeah. what it looks like on the inside. Is yeah, somebody gonna release it? Yeah. You know, is somebody gonna pay, uh, you know, the balance sheet in that area, the amount of, is going up no matter what, but is somebody gonna pay to live there? And I think the answer is yes, because yeah. it's not, it's in a such good, doesn't matter. So that's what you want to remember about commercial real estate. How is it valued? What does that have to do with land? I thought this is Land Academy. <laughs> Nothing. The value of the land needs to be much less than the value of the cap rate. That's the, the amount of income that that property is generating. At times, specifically in Southern California, the value of the land becomes more than the actual rent that the property can uh, mm -hmm. generate. You see this in trailer parks all the time. Isn't that amazing? But yeah. And so what happens then? That's when all the yellow iron comes out and uh, the, you can theoretically, the new owner would realize that and theoretically apply for a zoning change. What's the yellow iron? Caterpillar oh. crush it all. Got it. Crush it all into little pieces and and change it up. Put it yeah. in a landfill and, and create a new condo complex or right. a mixed-use building. This used to be a residential area, not anymore yeah. kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. We see that all Office over. building, office building, office building. Little house, gas station, da da da, da restaurant. Yep. You're like, hmm, it's coming. Yeah. So speaking of that, office building, office building, gas station. Yeah. The other thing about commercial real estate is the vast majority of it is the use that you can use a piece of property for has been dictated and it's over and that's it. It's gonna be used at heavy industrial or light industrial or multi-tenant, uh, <clears throat> multi there's all kinds of subtypes of multi-tenant buildings like apartments, obviously, and uh, trailer parks. Those are multi-tenant buildings. Uh, it could be a mall, which is retail. Mm -hmm. So. It's all about that valuation. And and if you know if you go on at LoopNet or Crexy or any of the sites that list uh, commercial real estate property for sale, the stuff that's gonna pop up first is vacant property. And if you wanna talk about creating value and getting wealthy, you can buy with partners commercial real estate if you know how to operate a piece of property and fill up vacancy rates, which yeah. no one, I'm here to tell you, in commercial real estate, knows how to do. Commercial real estate is packed full of people sitting around in an airplane hangar smoking a cigar, wondering who they're gonna hire to fill up their building. Isn't that funny? The if only you, thing I think they think young, about is raising the rent. If you're, yeah, that's, that's right. That's the lazy way. That's right. All I think of doing is raising them. Oh, well, great, I'm just gonna raise the rent $100 a month or whatever it is. This is dumb. In uh, Southern California right now, it's where it used to be before COVID, very popular for institutional buyers to go in and buy a piece of property, buy a, an existing apartment building, 
buy everybody out of their leases, kick them out, yeah. renovate all the units, yeah. allow pets because the uh, former is, manager didn't. Former manager didn't allow pets, so mm-hmm. now you've got a whole new rental pool. Increase the rate and sell it yeah. as soon as it's all leased up. Who leases it up? A commercial um, management company. The, mm-hmm. the person sitting around in an airplane hangar smoking that cigar could care less about what how that actually property gets managed. Right. And and they're not wrong. They don't need to be. My point in saying this is. If you're the if you're young and really tenacious and you think you can lease up a trailer park or lease up a building, you're going to become a multimillionaire very mm-hmm. quickly. That's how you create equity mm-hmm. in commercial real estate. From a land perspective, which is really why we're listening to this, you're probably not listening anymore anyway. <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> when there's a if you go through an industrial park and, there, and you, this happens every Thursday on calls or most Thursdays, somebody mm-hmm. uh, responds to a letter that, that we've all sent out that says this, yeah, I have this property. It's the last property in this commercial, in this industrial park. And I'm happy to sell it to you for less than it's worth because we've done what we needed to do. Right. And so there's a huge play for us, you know, but it has to be in line with that capitalization rate. And how do you find out other capitalization rates for buildings that are all around there? You don't. Mm-hmm. You have to know the area. Commercial real estates, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot more moving parts. Well, it's the value of a commercial real estate broker that's local to the area. There's, the, I, 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 I have had dealt with some good ones. Not good ones and some really good ones. Good news is that people in commercial real estate are wealthy. And so when you do get a, a piece of land that that's... Uh, you know, you think is is way less valued than what you can sell it for. Finding a local community of commercial real estate owners and mm-hmm. setting up a tiny little database is, you know, you bring me two hours away from that. Mm-hmm. And then sending out a neighbor letter saying, I know you own this building over here. And uh, I've got this piece of dirt over here that I think is way undervalued for what it is. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very likely to respond to that. I would. I would drop what I was doing and saying, what do you mean it's 30000 or $80,000? You know, right. I just paid $6.2 million for this distribution center. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take a look at your deal. Mm-hmm. This is brilliant. Thank you very much. And then my last point is zoning. Everybody thinks, and then triple net. I want to talk about triple net in a second. For a second, Jill's trying to, I'm trying to hold Jill's attention. It's very hard. Jill talks in sound bites. Thanks. <laughs> Zoning is all master planned these days. There's this concept, uh, and again, it's probably from, comes from our parents' time. You can buy a piece of property and rezone it and make a fortune. Right. Rezoning property is all but impossible this day and age. You can zone, realistically zone a trailer park, rezone a trailer park for condos. Everybody loves that. All the people on the city board are going to say sign off on that. But you're not going to rezone a trailer park to heavy industrial. Nobody wants heavy industrial mm-hmm. or retail where it's causing a lot of traffic and all kinds of stuff. So please put rezoning as a possibility just out of your head. There are whole shows on YouTube. Sure. Um, we've had guests on, over the over the years on our podcast. Uh, we've had business business partners gone. Not a single time has anything ever gotten rezoned. It's all talking. Mm-hmm. And if you do get a rezone through, it's going to take years and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees. It's already all master plan. That's what a civil engineer does. Long before the thing gets developed, they go in and plan it all out. 
and say, here's the industrial stuff, here's the retail, here's where all the houses go, here's where the apartments go, and that's it. And here's a bunch of parks, and that's it. It's not going to vary from very much from that. The exception is this. This is an anecdotal, fun little fact. Any place of worship, you can put it anywhere. And you don't have to ask. You can put a church on the lot next door to your house. Isn't that crazy? I know. That's why if you drive around a community and it's like, what the hell is a church doing there? Right. And I say, what the hell, intentionally. Yeah. Like that it's one because there's we no just saw last night. I'm like, next to a bank, behind a bank, next to this big grocery store, we have this weird church. Yep. There you go. Churches are the one place you could potentially rezone something because it doesn't mm-hmm. have any zoning anyway. Yeah. And so that's when that, the city planner is going to look at that and say, anything but a church would be better there. Right. <laughs> Lastly, let's talk about triple net property because it's so prevalent and you've driven by it 14 times already today and maybe not known it. All fast food restaurants, all bank branches, all freestanding buildings are triple net leased. Meaning, let's use McDonald's as an example. McDonald's is a tenant, and they, the, the definition of the three nets is uh, rent, of course. That's net number one. Utilities, that's net number two. This is a double net lease now. And a triple net is everything else. Insurance, maintenance, taxes, everything. So if you own a McDonald's, the building, not the franchise, your tenant is a franchisee of McDonald's, and they're responsible for 100% of the costs of operating that building, including the taxes, you just get a check. Isn't that nice? So what's the cap rate on that? It's really low because there's no risk. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those commercial leases are cross-collateralized or uh, guaranteed, corporate guarantees. So if the tenant fails, if that franchisee fails because you're eating too many hamburgers, then McDonald's is going to pay the rent. And this is a a huge, and there's also rent escalations built. See? Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) There's built-in rent rent escalation. So after a few years of owning that, you sell it on a cap rate, make some money. I'm allergic to bad business things. (laughs) Plow it back into something else. Every dollar general you see in all these small towns are all triple net leases. There's a cult surrounded by guys that go in a back room and trade their triple net lease uh, properties. No risk, but you don't really make any money. Right. We made it, Jill. Let's take a look at another one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. All right. Lawrence County, Wisconsin, 80 acres, two APNs, needs an easement from the sellers. All right. So that means somebody lives nearby. Affordable, yes. Alive, yes. Purchase price, buy for 70, sell for 140. Now, this one, there's no access to the property except through the current owner's adjacent property. Okay. Got it. So it's I'm possible cool with that. So which is the other one? That one and so that's one. We're selling three three zero and three three three. Here's Escanaba. Here's Michigan. Uh huh. Three three zero and three three three. Which one's three three three? Three three one. This one. So these two. And I'm guessing that's the one they're keeping. Let's see what else they own. They own that too. Interesting. They're keeping these two, but not these two. My hat if this property is worth 70 grand. I know. Familiar? Mm-hmm. Bill and I just threw, drove right through here. That's it. It's some trouble with the price. We're going, it's 80 acres. It's 240s. There's 60 acres for 125, nine days, uh, 120 for 240, 
and nothing really sold. 40 acres for 40. Yeah. Which is your purchase price? 80 acres for uh, 30 acres for 80. And these were sold. I need a lot cheaper. It needs to be way, way, way cheaper. And I would sell it as hunting land. And that's it. Because people I mean, in this whole area of the, of the country buy, buy hunting land, especially this large amount of acreage all the time. Way cheaper. So cheap that it's like, oh my God, I got to buy this because right. there's like this that. just doesn't, this is, there's no adjacent, like nothing is going to be here in our children's lifetime. Nothing's going to be here. There is nothing here. We just drove through here and, it, and there wasn't when I was a kid. This is the Upper Peninsula. It's all U.S. government property. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be anything there, Jack, because everything to the north of it is all U.S. government property, state of Wisconsin property, everything. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be anything there. Mm-hmm. That's right. Good hunting property, though. Mm-hmm. Still, yeah. a quick story. Hey, wait. It's on the long lat, on the, it's north of Toronto. It's, it's up there. It's man. north of Mackinac. It's up there. Of the hunting property crazy. situation though, um, I had a friend over from central Missouri the other day and uh, he was telling me what, he's a hunting guide and he does things in Alaska, does things in Kansas, does, you know, and he, he, his dad, he grew up doing it, you know, and uh, I just asked him what, what you know, what they charge a typical person to, you know, take out on a hunting trip and you'd be floored by his answers. Yeah. He took a guy, they call it the city slicker special, essentially brings a guy out to Montana, sets up the rifle, just pull the trigger and he dresses it. Asked him how much he would charge someone to do that. He said, $10,000. What? My gosh. And I said, put him on a horse and hand him a gun. If I got some landlocked property, can you hunt it and make us some money? And he said, absolutely. Uh, and so that's going to be a little side project of our own. Um, you know, he, he, every day, every time I see him, he's hunting. He goes to Alaska, does all this stuff. And I couldn't believe it when he told me someone paid him $10,000 to shoot a, a moose. Uh, that's cool. What we have, say about we that? have 10 minutes and I have a call. Oh, okay. Not to rush you along, but. All right, we're getting off topic. <laughs> no, no, you're good. It's not you. This one starts playing around. It's like, I have a meeting. <laughs> Jill, you have something uh, something inspirational to share? You know, it's interesting. I wanted to talk about um, the rest of my note. Um, I put, will you, will you pull up my little, I'm so sorry, my little note that I sent you because it had a little follow-up nugget in there about my uh thing today okay so i wanted to talk about you know what there's somebody that before you answer uh-huh. i put a little question in here that somebody put it in discord that that prompted that i think just ties right into this oh so i'll read the question and then i'll give you my yeah. whole thing okay so that was nice so we have a third question today so chris wrote i had my first phone call from my first mailer about 20 minutes ago I was tied up with my day and I wasn't able to pick up, but she did leave a voicemail. She said she was interested in selling her property, but she wanted to know the details of the process. I've been through the program a couple times and I listened to almost all the podcasts, but this is my first phone call and I don't want to sound clueless. Any guidance on how to navigate the conversation? Well, this is a two-parter. This is, this will, I'm going to give the answer and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. So the direct answer, Chris, is go on landacademy or landinvestors.com, either place and get my inbound uh, seller call checklist. 
print that out, use it, write on it. That's the easiest way. You're gonna sound like a pro. All the questions and things you need to ask are right there. You know, ask about the property, ask all the information. State, county, APN, did my offer price, um, did that work for you? Uh, what do you know about the area? Uh, are you current on your taxes? Um, you know, fill in the blank. There's all kinds of things on there that you, so you know, you won't, you'll sound great. So this ties into, so that's the short answer. The longer answer is, well, how do you, how do you just get the confidence and, and why do you, Jill, have so much confidence talking to sellers and talking to buyers? And you know, the, the answer is because I believe we have the same goals. And this is proof right here. This person called back, you want to buy, they want to sell. Check. How, how do you not feel good about that? I know we both want the same thing out of this phone call. Now all I have to do is, you know, make sure we're on the same page, which is, do I still want the property and do they want to sell it to me at my price? It's, it's not hard to, to very quickly, uh, like this example, get to that solution and and work, you know that you're working through it together. So you just keep asking each other questions. Your questions are all about the property, their questions are all about the process. Just keep going until you guys don't have any questions. And then you know that at the end, this is gonna happen. Great, and, and they know the steps, you hang up, they, you hang up, you got the price you wanted, you know they're gonna follow through with the steps, they hang up knowing that they're gonna get the price they wanted, and they know what's gonna happen next. The, what's interesting is, what you need to watch for is the minute it's not going that way. I know how to, and, and here I'll give you some examples here, figure out the minute you're not on the same page. And easily it's gonna be you don't like the property, or it's not gonna happen because there's some legal reasons. Maybe it's, you know, there's a probate issue, or you guys don't agree on the price. So what you need to do is quickly, when you figure that out, quickly end it, because it's not gonna go anywhere. You're not gonna talk them into it. It's not, it's not even worth it. You can't go wrong asking questions. Mm -mm. You know, think about a first date. If you you got to get the other person talking about themselves. The last thing you want to do, you know, there's this misconception, and I had it in the beginning of my uh, real estate career, where you're sitting there trying to impress the person who owns the property to get them to see if they want to sell. That's yeah. not what they want at all. No. They just ask them questions. How long have you owned it? Uh, did you inherit it? Did you guys use it? Was there ever structure on it? Just a, the list of questions that Jill has uh, on the on the, on the website. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Some people believe that they have to control the conversation by talking too much and just, you know, railroading That's people. that man bad date. Right. And, and really having a real strong person has the most control over a conversation when they're just asking questions and getting all the information they need out of them. So that's, that's the, the secret, I think. Uh, and after a few of those, Chris, just it doesn't, it doesn't need to be much. I bet you after between five and 10 phone calls, you're gonna get so much confidence mm -hmm. and be so uh, ready and secure talking to these sellers um, and knowing the area. You just have to pick up the phone and, and I assume, Here's my last little piece. I always assume that the reason they're reaching out to me and calling me is because they do want to sell. 
and there's one little thing they're not sure about, exactly like this example. She liked you, she looked you up, you passed your test, she liked the price, they're there. She just needs to know how it works. How great is this? This is the greatest conversation ever. And all you know, and all you need to do is say, Well, now I open escrow. And what mm -hmm. you're gonna here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna make those calls. I do need your contact information. And I'm gonna make those calls, and you'll get next thing you know, you'll get a call from the title person, and they'll walk you through, you know, you know, if you have a copy of the deed, if they need that, you know, any follow-up stuff like that, bank information, they need to know that, um, and just make it simple. The best thing you can do too is don't overwhelm them, don't give them too much information. Don't, don't, like that's part of the, they think you need to control the conversation by just like dumping on them. You know, don't explain exactly what a title agent does and why you picked this person. They don't flip and care. You need to make this real easy and simple and comfortable and befriend them and make sure they know too. Remind them, we're on the same page here. Look, that's, that's the end thing. I want you to know as we land this phone call that I'm I'm buying it, you're selling it. If you have any questions at all, you call me. I'm gonna we're gonna get this deal done. I am your resource here, and whatever you understand, I'll walk you through it, or we'll figure it out together. How's that? Who you know, want the that? chances are nine times out of ten, and this was hard for me to understand when I started. You are smarter about real estate than the person you're going to talk to. You are not about that piece of dirt. They know a lot about that piece of dirt. And that's when you, one of your jobs is to really, yeah, well, if you do Maybe. it right, you're going to ask them so many questions about the actual piece of land that by the time you're done asking the questions, they just don't have any more answers. Like, does it have access? Have you ever used it? You know, why are you selling? They'll tell you big, long uh, personal stories about all of that stuff. And just all you have to do is listen. Ask. Just listen to what they say. Exactly. You know more about how to close a deal. If you've never closed a deal, I'm sure you know more about how to close a deal than the vast majority of the people you'll talk to. If you have watched Land Academy 3.0 one time, I can guarantee you that very first phone call, you know more than they do. Yeah. How's that? That doesn't make you feel good. Like, okay, got it. Just, just you know more than you think you do. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> Jack, how about you? Do you have some information you want to, some nuggets you want to share with us today? I do. Other than the awesome, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> riveting um, commercial real estate 101 do you think that? chat we got. Why do you think that that was uh, so boring for you? I mean, really, why? And I'm not criticizing you. I don't care. It's like sitting through a history class. <laughs> Just never, never going to use it? No. I mean, you, I will use it. You're the person who's done, you know, 10,000 transactions. You're just well, never, just, that cursory knowledge of the commercial real estate 101 is not going to benefit you, know you in any way. You know what it is? I'll tell you why. I don't get excited about it. I get way more excited about what's possible with this, with this uh, uh, hunting property that has these beautiful peaks and it backs up to this and this H, this uh, BLM land. I get excited about that. Why is that? This taps, this taps into my I was just my, personal, my personal preference and that's it. No, no, go dig deeper. Why do you care about, <laughs> why do you care about BLM land behind your lap, property or where the thing's located? What, just honestly, why? Endless. Versus versus a, an apartment building that's got a twelve cap. Isn't that funny? I really want to know. I just like and everybody else endless does. land and blue skies. It's my personal preference. Because you you're know, a land lover. I am, and so am I. Right, but you know, I'm what's not funny an about apartment that? building lover. 
But here's what I learned. You can never poo-poo the other people. You have to and you have to understand that just because it's not your cup of tea, it's somebody else's cup of tea. So do I can I can I buy a strip mall and sell a strip mall all day long? Absolutely. I'll make it seem exciting. Like, <laughs> did you know that used to be a blockbuster? And now <laughs> it's that exciting. I don't know. Whether it will I'll make sure it sounds you know what exciting. I to do. It used to be a blockbuster and now it's a McDonald's. How great is that? Wouldn't you don't you want to own this whole strip mall or here's what's possible on this? piece of dirt to make it a strip mall. Jill and I did a lot of traveling last yeah. summer around the country in an RV and we're going to do the same thing this summer. And every single small town's got a, oh, that used to be a Pizza Hut. Yeah. And I want to, I want to do a coffee table book of what people have done because oh. it's such a... And now it's a dentist it, it's, office. Yeah. It's so yeah. obvious that building was well, a Pizza Hut. A shape. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Spires. I know. It, it was a Spires at one time. The same thing with homestead houses. Yeah. Every small town's got, oh, that's the homestead house yeah. where they homesteaded all this land and it got redivided. We should have a thing about that. Okay. Well, let's do a couple real quick. Think about a memorable icon building shape that you know the minute you see it what it was. Mine is Wiener Schnitzel. Oh, jeez! The red roof and the thing. Yeah. You, we all. If you roll up on that, you're like, yeah, that might be a post office now or post office, you know, outlet, mailboxes, yet, et cetera, whatever. But that used to be yet a another difference. <laughs> yet another difference between Jill and I, because I'm going to shoot a little higher here and say <laughs> the Transamerica building in, you know, San Francisco. Well, what is it now? The Transamerica building. Well, no, I want one that used to be something that became something. Can you think of? Um, it's all Pizza Hut for me. Okay, we were having a central in Detroit. Oh, I'm well, we had unique buildings. We had were well, White, uh, Castle. White Castle. There you go. Well, you know what a White Castle looks like. If you try to redo a White Castle into a nail salon, nail salon, <laughs> you're going to know that it used to be White Castle. Because you can have Castle. three customers at a time. Please form a line. <laughs> but you know, are they all small? I thought, yeah. Oh. <laughs> the same thing with the Sonic. Well, the only White Castle I was in was here in the Sonic. You can't even go in there. So. That's your that's a useless piece of real estate. Oh, that may look like a drive-through insurance place, but that used to be Sonic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can get your nails done in your car. There you go. I would. It's like not that. crazy. You know, if I could just sit on my own seat and just kind of pivot, that's not mm -hmm. bad. <laughs> and drink a malt at the same time. <laughs> okay. It used so, to be a Pizza Hut. That's the name of the book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So please tell us what you want to have for us to share. It's occurred to me recently that I think many people, uh, before they start clicking around and providing their credit card number, should ask themselves this question in detail. In fact, spend a lot of time on it, oh. not just a few minutes. Should I be a Land Academy member? Am I set up to be a land investor? Wow, I did not see this coming. I know. I know you didn't. And I bet you don't like it. I'm a little worried where it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like, do all my friends say I'm high maintenance? <laughs> well, I think you should ask yourself that too. I think you should ask yourself that when you're 12 years old. Do I not have any friends? Am I only here because I have no friends? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I really think that all of us, in along the lines of what Jill's saying, like once in a while, Jack maybe or, or more often than not, need to look around and look in the mirror, most importantly, and say, is this where I should be or not? 
because Land Academy is not going to solve any personality problems that you have. Or or get you a date. <laughs> <laughs> or look good on your dating profile. <laughs> if you don't follow directions and have never followed directions, then Land Academy might not be for you. If you've owned a company very successfully in the past and... Uh, under- know how to work through some things. And, and understand that rolling with the punches is part of it. And, you know, you might be a, a, a Land Academy fit. member. <laughs> if you have um, just, if, if you're impatient and you're not uh, what I call a linear thinker, go to A to B to C to D, not from A to D. If you're a linear thinker, it's very logical that you'd be good at this. If you hate spreadsheets and you hate math, this might not be for you. And I'm really serious about that. We've had a, a, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, we've had a lot of people sign up recently from between uh, around Christmas time and and through January. And, uh, you know, there's some people that probably should not have signed up if they gave it more than five minutes thought. I know this is the reverse of Jill's effort in life. Yes. You're undoing everything that I work hard about, on. Just kidding. Look, this is a great way to get wealthy. We sure did. And I don't mean Land Academy. I mean buying and selling land. It's true, though. It's a great way to do it. It happens to be great for Jill's personality and for my personality and us together. It's true. There are plenty of things that I would suck at. You know, we were, we've been watching Billions. Here's a good example. And I'm watching Billions going, I couldn't do it. Me too. I couldn't do it. I don't have the stomach for it. And I wouldn't go into it knowing that even though I don't have the stomach for it, I'm going to expect this person to teach me and show me the way. I would never do that. I'm going to, you're going to make me a good trader. No, you got to make right. you a good trader. I can't do that. I can show you the steps and give you the stuff, but I can't make you a great trader. For whatever reason, Jill and I have uh, the same personality trait. When something goes wrong, the first thing we do is look straight at each other and say, why did we screw this up? I don't blame somebody else. True. I don't blame okay. anyone else except myself. And then I and I, and I spend yeah. about 13 seconds or less thinking about it, and then we change it, we fix it. Yeah. We roll with it and get it back on track, whatever it is. Yeah. It happens all the time in real estate deals. People change their mind. Yeah. Um, you send out a bad mailer once in a while. Uh, I send it's an overpriced so mailer out, and then she, we adjust. Fix it, so what? I don't blame her for anything. She doesn't blame me for anything. Mm-mm. I certainly don't blame DataTree or anything like that. And so you have to think about, really truly think about, you know, if this, because all that stuff's going to happen to you. I'm telling you, we talk about all the positive stuff on this show all the time and in our Thursday call. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, this is a lot of work. There's a, a lot of work, especially mm-hmm. if you're brand new to real estate or brand new to owning a company. There's a bunch of moving parts. And if you're easily frustrated by things like that and you just want it right now, this is not for you. Right. And I'm being really honest. Thank you. Why waste money? and feel bad about yourself because you can't figure it out. We've had several people with uh, recently that just can't figure this out. And I, and I, I feel bad. Yeah. And it's not that they're uh, not smart. That's not it at all. I just don't think that they're willing to spend the time or don't have the time or the resources to really get into it so that they can get out the other side with a bunch of dough. Right, I get it. Having said that, I want to say that I want to, I want to say, no, I'm afraid. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, there's exceptions to everything. Mm -hmm. So, but you do need to have that conversation with yourself. You're like, 
I know I stink at Excel. I know I'm not good at this, but you know what? I'm going to learn how to. There's yeah. always people that yep. that impress us and surprise us. I'm like, I'm not sure this is going to work. And they're going to say, well, I went, I spent the last four weekends learning Excel and now I'm a pro exactly, out of my way. There's, you can do it if you really, if you really want it that bad. I've seen it. Boy, if you have that level of confidence and you believe in yourself and you yeah. can overcome things or learn new things very easily, geez, you're going to smash this then. Yeah. You're going to do great just, at this. It's all attitude. Mm-hmm. It's it's having a negative attitude and expecting, um, you know, somebody else to do something for you. When that's the part. That, that's a real, that's a tough thing to get over. Exactly. Join us next week for another interesting episode. You're not alone in your real estate ambition. We, we are Jack, Jack and Joe. Information and inspiration to buy undervalued property.